Welcome, friends. I'm so happy that you have joined us today. And I hope that our time together today encourages you and perhaps allows you to see how all of us are connected in the trials and decisions that we all make. Today, I want to welcome my best friend, Elissa, who I am so excited for you all to meet on this second episode of All the Things with Kristen Schindler. Welcome to All the Things with Kristen Schindler. We all have things. It doesn't matter if we're married or single, if we have no children, or if we have 10. Things in life can be overwhelming, and sometimes we just don't know how to navigate them. So each week, you're going to hear stories, stories of hope, of inspiration, and of people navigating the same things that you and I deal with day in and day out. Their stories may sound different than ours, or they may sound just like us. Either way, each week this podcast is going to pour into your heart with hope and encouragement. We are so glad that you are here. So Alyssa, I'm so excited that you're here with me for episode two, and you are joining us from lovely Colorado, and I hope it's sunny there. Is it sunny there this morning? It is gorgeous. That's yes. great. Um, so you are my former bestie who lived closest. Former and bestie? Former, <laughs> former closest in proximity. Like you were right here where we wouldn't have to be like recording over digital devices. You are, <laughs> are, you are no longer right next to me, but in, in our hearts, we are still besties. Okay. Um, you were so, digging yourself in a hole there. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so I'm out now. All right. So, um, but our friendship started a long time ago and it's, and I, the way I equate it is for me three lifetimes ago because I have three kids. So it's like three <laughs> lifetimes ago. That's how I kind of equate things in my head. Um, but we actually met before either of us were parents. Um, and we didn't know it then, but we had so many similarities. So, um, I remember I was invited to play on the softball team by a fellow teacher, friend of mine who had a church softball league. And that's how we met. And my husband and I didn't even attend that church at that time, but they needed players. And we said, yes. And that was at the first practice that we met. Do you remember that? Yes, I do remember that. We were uh, the only ones that showed up. <laughs> we were hardcore players. <laughs> we were, we were. So we split up and uh, you and I were playing catch and our husbands were playing catch and we were chatting and getting to know each other. And um, because with only four players, there's not a whole lot more you can do. We decided to take it across the street to Wendy's and continue the uh, night eating and talking and um, yeah, close the place down basically. Yeah. Cause that wasn't open 24 hours like it is now because 18 years ago, those things weren't 24 hours. Um, but we talked so long. I remember, um, I don't even know what our husbands were talking about. Honestly, mm -hmm. I, they, it, I think we were even sitting at a different booth than them. I think we, were they there? <laughs> they were, they were there, <laughs> but I don't know what they even were talking about. But, um, but I remember I was, so that, that was, um, that was a summer softball league that was starting. Mm. And, and I remember, um, that, that spring I had had a miscarriage. And mm. so I actually had been coaching softball at that high school where we had practice. That's why we used that field. Um, and it was a really, really difficult time. And I didn't really have a lot of people 
that had gone through something similar. Um, and people just didn't really, I felt like 18 years ago, it was kind of a silent sisterhood that people were yeah. in. If you, once you had a miscarriage, then people would then kind of share that, right. they, you know, had been through that or been through it. But, um, I just, I did, I didn't have a lot of people that I had friends that I was friends with at that point who had shared a lot, but you were really honest and open. I mean, was that something that you, cause you had had loss and I just felt like you were in a much different place with sharing it with people. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to reflect on that time. It was really long time ago. Um, but I would say, so in the, to put the timing in perspective, you had just suffered the loss. Okay. So for me, I had gone through three miscarriages in one year, a few years before that. So, uh, the process of my, um, grieving and sort of wrapping my head around what had happened to me, I was a little farther along. So I would say that, um, though that year and even the years following were really difficult because of the question of, are we going to be able to have children? Um, we so desired that, but didn't know how it was going to happen. Um, I think maybe after my first miscarriage, you know, maybe I, I was suffering more silently, but once you have, you know, when, when you go through three within one year, um, and then even have to have like a procedure because of where I was at in the pregnancy and everything more people know anyway. So then you're talking about it. And for me, part of the way I deal with um, things in my life that happen is through connection, communication and all of that. So I had probably gotten to the point where I was able to share with people in a way that was reaching out and letting them know, um, look, I know the pain you're feeling because I've been there. So, right. yeah. Well, over, over the last 18 years, our friendship has grown and seen many changes. Um, you know, we were new moms. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember before we were even moms, you were like six months ahead of me you found out you were pregnant with, with your son, your Mm -hmm. oldest, you were six months ahead of me. And then, then you ended up having to be on bed rest, which was not in part of our plan because it was like, come on, let's, we're going to, we're going to be able to do fun things, but you then had to be on bed rest. And I remember I would bring you, um, bugles and squeeze cheese. Yes. (laughs) And you, that was a craving that you had. And I was a good friend and I was like, okay, this is what she wants. Then I'm going to bring it. And I remember we we would like put them up. They were like little ice cream cones. And then, you know, we realized after those first pregnancies, we realized that bugles and squeeze cheese were probably not the best. No, no, I, uh, (laughs) I, my hot fries and ketchup and bugles and squeeze cheese. Yeah, it was it was an emotional yeah. time for sure. But yes, yes, absolutely. <clears throat> I'm so grateful for your friendship and your encouragement over the years. And we've been lots of things. We've been, once we had our kids, we were working moms together. Mm-hmm. Our act, our kids actually went to the same um, lovely lady who was our yes. daycare provider. And we were juggling work. We were juggling home. Um, then we both took a little time off and we were stay at home moms. 
mm-hmm. for a little bit. And um, now we're both homeschooling moms, which I wasn't. You kind of led the charge on that. You've been doing that for six years now. Yes. So the excitement just keeps coming. Yeah. It's like, what's the next thing? <laughs> Um, so I'm so excited to have you here with me today. Are you excited? I am. I'm very excited. It's my first podcast. So first podcast. No one well, better to do it with. This is only my second one. Yeah. I, this is only my <laughs> second one. So just don't hold me accountable to be someone who's like, you know, in the know of all things. It's just, mm. we are flying by the seat of our pants here. Yes, we are. Um, we are. Lots but, of grace. Okay, so that's right. Umbrella of grace, please. <laughs> so one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about today is the idea of validation. The need that we all have at different times, and it can shift Mm -hmm. um, depending on circumstances and life events, but that idea of needing others to validate our ideas, choices, desires that are placed on our hearts Mm -hmm. in different seasons and really listening to that small quiet voice that's asking us is calling us to make a change in our lives um so a little over two years ago do i have the time frame right there uh it's probably i mean from the beginning of it maybe like three years ago but very close yeah okay all right so your family had a big change. Mm-hmm. So can you tell me a little bit about what you felt called to do? I sure can. Um, so uh, with our homeschooling journey, we'll just start there. Uh, we had a little freer schedule. And so instead of vacationing with everyone else and their brother um, in the summertime, Uh, we decided to start taking advantage of the shoulder seasons and we took a vacation in October of 2015. And we had, I had actually seen another um, homeschooling mom friend of mine that had gone to um, the Rocky mountains like maybe a couple months before. And so I had seen her pictures and her video and I was like, I want to go there. And, um, So we went to Estes Park in um, Colorado to Rocky Mountain National Park. We were there for a week and we stayed in a cabin and it changed our lives. We loved every second of it. Um, I just felt my soul just swell up every time I was, you know, on a hike and these spectacular views and seeing the elk and the turkeys and the, you know, all of the critters, right? And seeing my boys. Um, and at the ages they were at that time, just really explore and, um, you know, do new things. And so we went back to Illinois after that. And, um, then the next fall, we decided that we were going to go back to Colorado. So we went back to Colorado and we went to, um, Colorado Springs for a couple of days and then we stayed in Grand Lake. So we wanted to explore a little bit of a different part of the state. And again, it was, we were just blown away at the views, the activities offered. Um, and so we went back again to Illinois, but we decided at that point that we needed to uh, quote unquote interview Colorado as a possible um, 
place to live, but in different seasons, because we had just seen it really in the fall. And so then um, a couple months later, there was a friend that actually had made this big cross country move about um, maybe six months before. And um, she and her husband invited us to go out to Colorado in uh, December, right after Christmas. And so when we went in the winter, the kids um, and my husband were able to ski and uh, my husband went on a little snowmobiling trip. And on our way home from there, uh, like I was looking out the window, I'll never forget it. And I was watching the mountains and I knew we were heading home and I just couldn't look at Rick. Um, I just was staring out the window and I get emotional thinking about it because I just remember thinking I didn't want to leave. And it was, but I didn't have any hope that there would be any ever any change. Like I'm, I'm the type of personality that loves adventure. I love change. Um, well, nobody really loves change, but I love adventure and new uh, experiences. And Rick is a little more steady. And uh, I had a friend one time tell, it's a mutual friend of ours that actually told me, she said, I'm like the kite and Rick is like the kite string. And he just like keeps kind of reeling me in. And um, so anyway, we, we uh, were heading on 70 um, East and we got through Denver and we were, the mountains were fading away. And Rick says, you know, I'm, I'm warming up to the idea of, of, you know, moving here. And I was like, my heart just like, I mean, just skipped a beat. I was like, couldn't believe that it was even a possibility. Um, so basically that started that conversation and that was in January, right after the new year. And um, we knew it was a huge decision. You know, both of us were, I was 40 um, or not quite 40 and he was just over 40 and we'd always lived in the same area. We'd never moved. I mean, I lived in the same house all growing up. He lived in the same house all growing up. We'd been married for a very long time, lived in the same house together for 16 years. So we, we, this was a big decision. And we also had commitments through July. Um, and we knew that we couldn't really do anything until then. So what we did was we committed to pray about it and pray and pray and seek the Lord um, for his will for our family at that point. So I don't know if that's a good place to stop, but. Yeah, that's a great place. Cause I, so in all transparency, I remember when you came back and mm. you shared with me and I, I was like, honestly, I felt so there it was like, I so conflicted because you had shared with me your desire to travel and see places. And, and since I did not live in one place my whole life and I was a military brat and I had moved every couple of years, like I felt like that part of my adventurous spirit had been filled where right. you felt 
Like you were, you know, that kite was like wanting to catch the breeze, you know? And, and so, so that I understood yeah, that, yeah. you know, and, and I remember how excited you were for me when I got to go visit my family in Japan right. and when I'd go hiking and seeing friends in yes. California and, you know, you were like vicariously living through the pictures right. and wishing. And then this was right. your chance. And, you know, I remember you saying like, Rick is not going to probably ever go mm-hmm. for this. And so I knew that mm-hmm. sadness, you know, and, and honestly, I kind of thought, eh, you know, they'll just go and visit and that'll be enough and, you know, whatever. So when you actually said you were both like seriously right. considering moving, I was honestly so sad for me because I was like, oh, you know, but on the other hand, I was so excited for you because I knew, and, and, you know, here, the reality is, is that I wasn't, I wasn't, it wasn't foreign right. to me having friends at a distance. Like that's for me growing up, friends are friends, distances, yeah. you know, yeah. really just nothing. But I think the hardest part for me was that I was always the lever um. growing up. I always left and I was, you know, like when you're leaving something behind, it's sad, but you adventure awaits. Mm. So you're excited about all the new possibilities. So being the lever is much different than the one being left. And, um, especially, you know, it can bring up feelings of, oh, you know, Maybe I'm not doing things in my life that, you know, I'm kind of being stagnant, Mm. you know, kind of forces that self-reflection. And I think when we have that self-reflection, you know, at least for me, then I was like, huh, I don't really like how this makes me feel about myself, you know? And so, um, and I think that's a lot of times why people who maybe we think are going to be supportive of us, and it can be in Mm -hmm. any aspect of, you know, positive change, you know, like maybe you're wanting to really be physically fit and you're expecting people who are closest to you to be like, wow, that's so wonderful. And you have people that are just like, oh, you're going to try to get all skinny and stuff. And, you know, and you're like, wait a minute, I'm just trying to eat more fruits and vegetables, like not trying to be on the biggest loser, you know, but, um, but you right. that kind of happens yeah. that way. Um, and it can be painful, but it's kind of that what happens is that painfulness allows that self doubt to enter the Mm. frame. So when people act that way, so did people react the way that you thought they would when you shared your idea, you know, of, of moving with the people closest to you? So, um, I'm the type of person that many times, uh, Rick will say, wow, uh, I can't believe you just told them all that to complete strangers. Um, so I, I share my heart um, pretty easily. So when I'm excited about something and passionate about something, I can't, I can't hold it in, you know? So yes, I came back from those trips. That's why we get along so well, by the way. (laughs) And, uh, I came back from those trips and I mean, like I was, I was excited. I was on fire. I loved what the experience was like, I was looking toward the future. And the fact that after that winter skiing trip in Leadville, um, that Rick was, you know, warming up to the idea 
it was like, I was on the next level. So I start, I remember, you know, I told you, I told friends at church. Um, and, but I would have to say I was a little bit more reluctant to talk to family um, because my, you know, I just knew that it was going to be hard for them. <laughs> so, and it still is, I think. Um, sure. So were people's reactions, how, what were their, their reactions? I would say people, many people were excited for us. Many people were, um, showed excitement, but maybe they were hurting a little bit. Um, you know, I think one friend, I think they were trying to be strong on the outside, but knew that their child would be hurting because they'd be losing a friend. Um, right. Sorry, I'm getting so emotional. <laughs> I told you this was going to be hard because it's it's been a, you know, we've lived here for two and a half years, but it's still, you know, especially now and uh, we're so separated from everybody. And uh, right. You know, the people that we're going to be impacted by us leaving um, on that day-to-day basis. I mean, we all know we have different levels of friendship and, uh, and, and family relationships. So, you know, the, the Sunday afternoon, you know, drives to uh, grandparents' houses, it wasn't going to be as accessible, you know, um, those every those birthday celebrations for everybody, you know, it, it was going to be more few and far between, you know, things were going to be harder, but. um, Well, did you have any doubt then? Like when you were like thinking about that, like the process of moving, was there ever a time that you thought maybe I just, maybe we just shouldn't do this. Maybe we should just make it a place where we visit. Then we can have the best of both worlds. I doubted like, I doubted. Can you talk about that? Like every second I doubted. Um, I, it's hard to explain when you feel a desire placed so strongly in your heart and your mind, but you're also completely terrified. Um, I, just like when we ventured to homeschool, that's like a whole nother topic, but there's <laughs> that's episode 11. There's Stay that tuned. fear. Okay. Anytime you do something that's different, you know, you have questions like, you know, we, we were in a good place. We had just like completely remodeled our house um, a few years before our, yeah. And, you know, we loved it and we were like, going to be, you know, our house houses here in Colorado Springs are, are more, you know, we were going to be going more in debt. We were going to be, um, you know, I was hoping that we weren't going to ruin our kids, you know, that we we're pulling away from family and friends. Um, yeah, we doubt definitely crept in um, all along the way. 
And I would have to say that the only reason we overcame that was because we had a, a good friend um, we had talked to and, and uh, you know, they knew that we'd asked them to pray with us, you know, like on this journey. And a lot of people did pray for us. And I appreciated that so much. And um, this person said, you know, all you can do is take a step. And when you take that step, if a door opens, walk through it, and then take the next step. And if that door opens, walk through it and just keep going. Um, so we prayed about it for nine months. July came around, baseball season was over, we were freed up. I started purging and getting the house ready. September 1st, our house went on the market. Like we, so this is what we did. You know, we just did one step, did another step. And all along the way, you know, I had a ton of questions and anxiety and we didn't, you know, what's crazy is, you know, some people will look at someone's journey and they think that, oh, they just had everything figured out. Like they just had that confidence going through it all. Well, listen, that's not the way it works. You know, when we put our house on the market, we were ready to take our house off the market. We had done it for sale by owner in Glen Carbon, and we were going to take our house off the market because we had had a ton of showings a lot of positive feedback, but no offers. And we were trying to figure out what to do. And so I had just been on the phone with Rick in the, in the middle of the day. It was a Thursday. And I said, look, we're going to have to take this. We're, I think we just take it off the market. I, I, you know, And again, we were at that point where we we're just going to step back and say, obviously, this isn't the right time. This isn't what we're supposed to do. And I am not kidding you. Immediately after I got off the phone with him, my phone rings. And it is a realtor that says she has somebody that she that wants to see her house. And the first question she asked me was, she introduced herself. And then she said, is your house still on the market? And I was like, wow. Yes. <laughs> I'm getting goosebumps just remembering the like, story right yes. now. <laughs> and she's like, I have a client that wants to come see it. Uh, well, tomorrow night work. And I said, yes. Okay. Um, and then I had another guy call me. And so we showed it like uh, Friday. We showed it Saturday morning. Uh, long story short, Kristen, we ended up having a bidding war on the house the very next week. And so by the end of that next week, um, my husband's job, we were like, uh, you know, we had accept, we were going to be accepting the co this contract. <laughs> so we're like, I guess we need to kind of figure out what's going on with the job situation. Um, and so uh, he had not had a good experience. He had interviewed and the door was slammed shut. Um, and in the Denver metro area. 
And uh, it was a tough thing that he went through because I think it just really kind of rocked his confidence a bit. Um, and so this is sort of all happening during the putting the house on the market. Everything's kind of happening at the same time. So when we were about to accept this contract, he just said, you know, I really feel like I'm supposed to contact my current company and ask about working remotely. Which was completely, no, completely unprecedented. Obviously right now, With right his... now they're all working remotely. Correct. But back then it was unprecedented. Right. So it just wasn't, it was unheard of. Right. You know, he had felt the Lord urge him to do that. So he, he did it. And the first, um, sort of level, his boss had, you know, proved it. Um, so this is, this is getting toward the end of September and, you know, here we had a contract on our house, um, in Glen Carbon to sell it. We still didn't have a, a landing spot. You know, we still, we knew we were thinking Colorado. We still didn't know where, we didn't have a lot of questions answered. Um, so when we started getting the positive feedback from his employer, we were like, well, we need to schedule a trip out to Colorado and find out, you know. And so I had been in connected with, um, through a homeschool mom, connected with another homeschool mom here in, in Colorado Springs that had just become a realtor and um, so we had this like connection. So we ended up coming out um, October, I think it was like 20, 21st, something like that for about four or five days and looked and looked and looked and were just not, we just weren't finding anything. We actually one morning found something that we thought was it. And <laughs> I was videoing every inch of that house because I thought that that's the one. And I was kind of like, I was kind of crying because I was like, I felt like this was what the Lord had for us. And I went outside and, um, oh, I, I missed a spot. I, I, I totally forgot the one part. We were going to buy a new build and uh, we were making a lot of concessions. The wish list um, items were just not being checked off. It was a new build. It was a beautiful home, but it wasn't you know, it didn't have that mountain view. It didn't have a front porch and, you know, things like that, that, you know, didn't have that three car garage that Rick was really wanting and stuff like that. So it was a wish list, but, um, and I remember, do you remember that morning, Kristen, when I was up, I was like up at like three 30 in the morning and there's the time difference, but I started texting you really early in the morning. And you had told me, you're like, you don't, you don't have to do this house. Cause we were supposed to sign on that house that morning. Do you remember that? Yeah. Because I was like, what do you mean? It doesn't have a yeah. mountain view. You're That's like, what you're moving you out that. there for. <laughs> really picture you having coffee on your deck, looking at your mountain view. And I also remember chatting with my sister that morning. And, um, and so the crazy thing is you guys, is that, Oh, we still didn't have confirmation that Rick was able to work remotely. So this is like a huge factor. We were moving through these steps because we just felt like this is what we were supposed to do. But, and we were looking in the Colorado Springs area, 
but we still didn't have confirmation from HR that he was approved to, to work remotely. So, it, you know, it was this uncertainty that um, we were living in. And so that morning I had all this, this, this feeling of doubt and uh, questioning and anxiety. And, and uh, we were supposed to sign at eight 30 in the morning and it was like seven, seven 30 and uh, Rick woke up and um, you know, I'd been up for like four hours and he's, he's like, so um, how are you doing this morning? You know, and you guys, anybody that's been like looking at houses and has been through anything like this knows it's a roller coaster, you know, like you're, so the fact that we had gone through, like met with the salesperson, like figured out everything with this new house and we were going to sign on it. We were already at the, like the ending of it. So he says, how are you doing this morning? And I was like, I didn't want to say it, but I just was like, Bleh. like I, this, I don't have a piece you know, and I didn't want to tell him that because then we're back at square one. Mm -hmm. But I was like, I don't have a piece about it. And I went back in the bathroom to get ready. And he goes, he calls me and he says, Elissa. And I'm like, what? He goes, I just got a text. I've been approved to work remotely. <laughs> And I remember just in that instant, this peace washed over me. And I knew that that was not our house, that God had something different. We called our realtor. I'm sure she was thrilled to hear it from us and told her <laughs> we regrouped. We upped our budget another $25,000 from what we had said we could afford. And so just so we could see on our very last day, some more houses. And so that very first house that we saw was the one I was just was starting to talk about. I videoed every inch. It had a mountain view. It had the front porch. It had, you know, it was, it was great. Um, I knew it was, I was like, it, I was like, this is it. This is why God, you know, this is why his timing was working out and all this stuff. So we get outside and my realtor is like, okay, well, let's look at where the nearest Starbucks is so we can sit down and write a, write up an offer. She looks at her phone and she says, um, this house just went under contract while you were looking at it. And I just looked at her and, and at this point, mm. because God had shown us every step of this, of this journey, every step of the way, I had the confidence that when she said that, I just said, okay. And I was like, I had complete confidence that, okay, this isn't the house. Where are we going? So that day we, Right. I mean, uh, she earned her, her, um, her income because we looked at every house. We looked at new builds. We looked at, you know, flipped houses. We, I mean, we just looked and looked and looked At the end of the day. Um, she's a believer as well. And, um, we were sitting at this model home 
in this subdivision that was out of our price range. And uh, just, we just sat there and it was like, what next? And we're, we prayed together. She said, I want to help you. Let me know, you know, because we were flying out the next day. So our journey, you know, we were like, I don't know what, I mean, we have a closing date on our house in Carbon. I don't know where we're going to go. I you know we know we've been, he's been approved to work remotely. We know all these things. So we drove up to our friends that lived in Thornton to spend the night, our last night, and to then fly out the next day to go back home and to Illinois. Um, all the way in that hour and a half drive up there, we talked we prayed, we, you know, we said, Lord, we, we thought this is your, <laughs> we thought this was the plan, you know, uh, we thought that Colorado was where you wanted us to be, but it's your will. So we went, went over to their house in Thornton and um, I slept great, uh, which, you know, is, has always been a struggle for me. And, um, woke up quickly at like six, six thirty in the morning, I think. Um, looked at my phone like I often do, and I had just gotten an email from our realtor. It's just kind of an automated email when a house is listed. Um, came through and I was looking at it and I was looking at the price and I was looking at all the the features and I was like Oh my gosh. It had everything on our wish list and it was $75,000 less than what we had pushed our budget to. Um we we uh I I was like, "Rick, Rick, are you awake?" <laughs> and uh he's uh, uh after I woke him up, he was awake. So, um but I contacted the realtor. That house already had five showings scheduled for it that day. We were able to get in a little early because our flight left at one and we had to go through Denver traffic and all that stuff. We came down here um, to Colorado Springs. We looked at the house. Um, it was everything that we were wanting. So we decided we were going to, you know, put an offer on it. And my, um, my realtor asked us, so have you heard about the inspection in Glen Carbon? And uh, I was like, oh, no, because that was have, that was supposed to have happened while we were gone. And so in that moment, right after she asked, we got a text from our buyer's realtor and asking about when they could do the appraisal. And I said, you know, I answered her and then I said, hey, have you heard anything about the inspection? And, you know, she said, oh, yes, um, no, no termites and uh, no requests or whatever, like nothing. They were, everything was fine. And it was just, again, one of those things that in the exact moment, God's timing is perfect. Um, I, over and over, he has shown up from the amount of people that, you know, helped us move from Glen Carbon to pack the truck all day to, when we arrived here in Colorado Springs, those questions of who's going to help us unload, we have no one here, right? I mean, we have, we had a, a couple people that we knew, our realtor and her family, um, my 
sweet, dear friend from high school and her family lived here, but we really didn't have connections, but through uh, friends from Edwardsville that had connections and everything else, they made some phone calls and we had, I don't even know, I didn't count how many people we had here, but we had so many people we <laughs> that didn't even know us. And my, my mom and my sister and my brother-in-law came out to help us unload so many people that, that know us, but also that don't know us came and we unloaded that truck in one hour. It was unloaded. I mean, just the, the blessing. Um, it's unbelievable. The doubt was overcome by continuing to seek the Lord and his will and step through those doors when they opened. And then it is. <laughs> well, that's, that's true faith. I mean, that's what that's, that's true faith. I mean, I think it's easy mm -hmm. if, if everything would have just fallen into place and, you know, and you didn't share all of those things that those self doubts or those things that come up, you know, um, and also I think it's mm. important, like if you, you know, the people that were pouring into you during that time, you know, if you, if you had someone that was like, honestly, yeah. what more do you need to see? Like, that's not working. Like, you know, whatever the, the voices that, you know, that are present in that, that time and in that season, um, you know, th this is something that even just recently I have struggled with. Um, mm -hmm. I was going through the publishing stage of my book and the self-doubt crept in, like, who's really going to care about what you have to write about? You know, in the beginning, I was really gung-ho about it. I felt called to do mm -hmm. it. And then, you know, self-doubt, you know, why, Wh why do you think this right. is something that other people are going to want to take time to read? You need a publisher mm. without a publisher. No one's going to take yeah. you seriously. These are all the things that my head was saying. Right. And I mean, I even, and then I would, then I kind of rally and I'd be like, no, I really think this is what I'm supposed to do. And I could see it clearly. I wasn't sure how it was going to get done, but I could see it right like above my head. Like I could see the, the vision of it. I could visualize it. And I actually even had a friend who asked me who my publisher was when I, you know, was documenting the different stages of the book and, and, you know, she had, you know, messaged me and I, so I told her I decided to, to self-publish and. I, I could kind of hear that mm. in their words that they felt like this was a negative route. Like it really was just kind of, and this, this isn't someone who's, you know, a writer or a publisher or anybody who's gone down this route. And so then I kind of like, I could have given up. I could have just said that, you know, what others right. thought that, that I allowed it to deter me because mm. at that time, those voices were so loud and, and the thing is, I kind of felt like I needed, and I think a lot of us feel this way, we need a professional person or someone who has more qualifications to validate that what I had to say is good enough. But I also felt like this right. whispering of this other voice that said, no, you're supposed to do this. And so that's the voice I listened to, very Absolutely. similar to what you had, even though things would come up, because things are always going to come up. They're always, they're always going to come up. It doesn't matter what it is. You know, I mean, think about kids riding, they're learning how to ride their bike. Like if you've quit right. just because you fell, yeah. then nobody would be <laughs> bike riders. You know, it'd be it just like, and you know, if you, or, or if you just rode until you took the training wheels off, 
And once you had like a certain number of hours under your belt, like everybody was going to be a bicycle, you know, pro, then, you know, that would be, that's just not realistic. But I think in our society, we feel that we have to attain a certain level of expertise or we have to have already traveled this route and we're familiar with it to be taken seriously Mm. or for people sometimes to respect our decisions. And that's just a lie. I mean, I was thinking about this the other day because it's, it's, it's a, it's a silly situation, but it kind of popped in my head. Like certain people in our society, we wouldn't question their things because of the level that they've attained. So, so here's my example. Let's just imagine that a a famous Mm -hmm. artist, you know, recording artist or actor or whoever is on the red carpet, okay? They're having a movie premiere or whatever. And they're wearing a a beautiful gown. Right. And they're stopped. And they're always asked like, oh, who are you wearing? You know, blah, blah, blah. Um, And if they said, oh, I I actually made this myself. (laughs) They wouldn't be like, oh, you made it yourself. I mean, right. Because you wouldn't, they wouldn't do that. They would be like, Oh my Mm -hmm. gosh, I can't believe this is another talent you have. You're already talented in this area. And you know, and, but, but I felt that way that I Mm. needed to have like a traditional publishing house, like for people to take me seriously, like Mm. that was the route. But I think the truth is that when God places something on our hearts, he's calling us to do that. That is all the validation that we need. But obedience is so hard. <laughs> you know, it's so hard. And that's why our kids drive us, right? They, they, they drive us crazy. Because if they could just do mm. what I asked them to do, life would be great. And if we could just do what God is calling us, it's like, you know, not that we're not going to fall down, not that we're, you know, the, the ride is still going to be bumpy. Yeah. But, you know, that's, that's just, I, 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 I keep going back to that. So, um you know, I decided, and I, you would probably remember this. I decided, okay, yeah, kind of like you, like, okay, we're going to do this first and then we're going to see if that door opens. And sometimes it does. Well, so I decided, okay, I'm going to go ahead. A friend of mine told me about this writing camp, this conference, and there were literary agents there. There were publishing houses there. And I thought, okay, this is it. Right. Like, I'm going to apply for this scholarship. Financially, it would be a, a blessing because we couldn't really afford for me to go to it, you know, put financial strain on us. Um, with me not working right now. And I did not want to do that. So I thought, okay, this is it. My friend has told me about it. Like I applied, you know, I did everything that I needed to. And yeah. I'm, I'd, I'd listen. Kind of, kind of. Cause I thought, well, if I get the scholarship, I'll have a chance to get a real publisher. So, but I also didn't listen because there was a part of me that still said, well, why don't you just do both? So I self-published and I was waiting Mm -hmm. for that, you know, scholarship to come through and see if, you know, I had gotten it, but I thought, well, I'll just take the book with me. And then I could just, when I have the meetings, cause you Mm -hmm. sign up for meetings with people ahead of time, um, then I'll just give them the book, right. Instead of giving them like printed manuscript, I'll just give them the book. And then if they like it, then good. If not, whatever. Um, but guess Mm. what? I didn't even get the scholarship. And I didn't have the money to attend the conference, but I heard the voice again say, you don't need that. Just do it yourself. So I did. And I, I self-published and and doors opened and, you know, people that I needed help along the way, like how to even navigate the platform and, 
you know, to mm. self-publish and all that stuff. Just little bit by little bit, those it was like little breadcrumbs, just they, they fell when it was needed. And um, so I released the book in, in February, all the things. And on top of that, <laughs> right. guess what? the conference was completely canceled because mm. of COVID. So had I waited, had I waited and not listened to that. And so I, I, I thought about that because the other day I had a friend and she reached out to me and we have been friends for, since I was 16 years old and that's a whole nother story, but we've exchanged Christmas cards and she's a little bit older than me. And, um, when I had released the book, I just, you know, sent an email to friends and family saying, you know, I have this book, it's available on Amazon if you're interested or, you know, whatever. And, um, she called me and she said a friend of hers, she had put it on her Amazon wish list, and a friend of hers had gotten the book for her for her birthday. But she said, Kristen, mm. I have to be completely honest with you. I have not read a book in seven years. She says, I've had two books on my bedside table. One of them was a Bible study that I had to drop out of because her mom had become ill and she had to take care of her. So she says, I hadn't, I hadn't read a book in seven years. My friend sent me the copy and even sent it to me later than my actual birthday. And I was already on lockdown. I couldn't go mm. see my mom. I couldn't go to work. Right. Um, I don't have any children. I don't, you know, I didn't have any things that I had to take care of. So she said, I was able to start reading your book. And she said a week before she, she, she read like a chapter a day. And she said a week into it, I got the news that my job oh. that I've worked at for over 20 years, that I was being let go. And she said, your book and the chapters that you wrote right. were exactly what I needed to hear right now because it's an uncertain time and it's, it's, they have resonated with me and the stories that you wrote about. And I have to right. tell you, Elissa, I was like, had I listened to that self doubt, mm. I wouldn't have written the book. I wouldn't have self published and it wouldn't have been exactly. in her hands at the right time when she needed it. And it just, when I got the phone call from her, it was actually right before I was going to launch this podcast. I actually had done a trailer oh, for the podcast, right. but I was yeah. going to call the podcast All Things Motherhood. And I told her, I said, well, you know, I thank you so much for calling and telling me I, I'm so, I'm so glad that this, this was helpful to you. And I said, I'm getting ready to launch a podcast. And I was thinking, you know, I was going to call it all things motherhood. And she mm -hmm. said, I'm really glad that you didn't name the book, mm -hmm. all things motherhood, because I'm not a mom and I'm never going to be a mom, but you don't have to be a mom to read your book. And the stories resonate wherever, somewhere it, someone is on their journey it's going to speak to them and they're going to reflect on what it looks like for them. She said, and had you, sure. had you called it all things motherhood in your title, I may not have been inclined to, to, to pick it up. And so I feel that her call <laughs> the day after I had just recorded the trailer and was kind of processing how to start the pot was, and, and then it made me yeah. stop and think. And I'm like, 
absolutely. Like this podcast is for everybody because we all, if yeah. we're married, if we're single, if we're, if we're parents, if we're not, if, you know, wherever we are yes. on our personal journey, we all have all the things that we're dealing with. And those things can take us away. Sometimes all those things make it, make mm. it feel like, oh, these are the things. If we have all these right. things, then life is going to be grand. And we know that that's not true. <laughs> we know, we know that that's just, you know, uh, false advertising. It's propaganda for us to be good consumers. But, but we also know that we all have all the things in our lives that cause us self-doubt, that cause us, you know, to, 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 you know, not have that faith because it doesn't look like it's going to be easy and allow that voice to, right. to be quieted because everything else is just so loud. Um, I recently, I heard a, um, a speaker named Dean, Dean Graciosi. And he said, when you don't share your story, you are literally robbing someone from the one thing that they could be praying wow. for, that they are literally on their knees mm. praying for guidance. And that, I mean, Right. That really hit me so hard because here was someone I knew that was important in my life that I've done Christmas cards with since I was 16 years old. And she said that this was exactly what she needed. And it right. just made me think like, that's one person I know of. And so I felt like, mm. you know, they talk about like burn the boats. Like you just, you just got to go for it. Right. Just burn the boats just move forward. And that for me was doing it. I'm like, that's done. <laughs> it's, it's no more, you know, because doing it, right. because I, you know, it's like you, there's positive things that are going to come out. You know, there's positive things that, you know, sometimes we see them because they're, they, they happen so quickly. That's Other true. things we don't see them because they're things that are being planted for, you know, for future harvest. But, mm -hmm. you know, so just to be faithful. Like, I know what I'm doing is right. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I want to help other people. I want them to have hope and, um, just to see those positive things. Now, what, what kind of positive things have you seen with, with your move to Colorado well, that show you, you know, that with you anything that the right move, you, you know, you do reflection and we've definitely discussed that many times. Uh, I don't think we, know the full picture um i don't know that we will you know this side of heaven i have seen um my own personal growth because having always lived near my family and friends um and then being away that has created um like, I guess an independence in me, I would, I've always been a little bit independent. I mean, that's my mom, but I would say, um, it's also allowed some healing from some things that had happened, um, in my life to kind of give me a little bit of space to sort through those things. Um, and <clears throat> My children, um, you know, I've seen them be able to plug in to um, some 
like sports and school opportunities here in Colorado Springs that we don't have back in Illinois because of the homeschooling laws and the guidelines that the districts set up. So that has been a blessing for them to like my older son to be able to play high school ball. Um, then, um, you know, we have a, a wonderful church family um, that we've plugged into. That was also kind of, you know, we, it was so hard to leave our, our church in Glen Carbon. Um, but I've seen some mentorship um, continue that was started back there. And it was, it, it's been able to continue in my, in my um, older son's worship um, ministry and um, you know, the youth ministry is thriving. And so I see, I see a lot of experiences that they're able to have that, that they wouldn't have had if we would have stayed put. Um, I also know that the dynamic of Rick being able to work from home has been a, a huge blessing. You know, the time spent um, traveling 40 to minutes to an hour to work every day and back, um, you know, he gains that. And also because we homeschool, um, you, you know, we're always home. <laughs> uh, you know, I say, I say that loosely. I mean, obviously we're not always home, but you know, we, we do, we're able to be together a lot. Um, and, uh, you know, I know that yeah. I'm able to, I've been meeting people, you know, even up in the last several months, people that are, that, you know, have shared things with me and, and has, have kind of, uh, inspired me to start my own small business, which is never something I would have thought about doing. Um, so, you know, stretching me, stretching my family. Um, I love the mountains. So I, if you follow me on Facebook, you, you know that I love to hike. And um, so that need being fulfilled on a more regular basis um, has meant a lot as well. So, well, friends, I hope that this episode has encouraged you that your voice, your story, and your message matters. And I hope for, I hope that you go forward knowing that things that are placed on your heart, they have meaning because Sometimes, even though those directions may be new and scary and a bit overwhelming, just remember that other people need to hear your honesty and connect with your experience. Um, next time, I hope that you join me. I'm going to welcome back my friend, Julia, and we are going to deep dive into the five love languages and how they impact our relationships from family um, and work and, and beyond. Also, please remember that if you like this podcast, please leave us some reviews. Um, we value your comments. And if this episode spoke to you, please subscribe to it and share it with someone you think would be encouraged by it as well. We hope you join us next time at All the Things with Kristen Schindler.